Thank you, choir, and thank you, uh, Tim, and praise and worship team. Uh, it's always good to stand in the pulpit after being led in quality praise and worship, and it makes the job to preach a lot easier uh, when it sets the tone for the preaching. And uh, so I thank you guys for doing that every week, and we really do appreciate it. So I am not Dr. Mills. Um, I have more hair than him, and I'm not wearing a tie. Figured I'd go ahead and get those two things out of the way. It is 100 degrees outside, and uh, my neck would break out with gross stuff all over it if I wore a tie this morning. So I said, you know what, Mallory, I'm not wearing a tie. Actually, I'll I, I tell you what I did. We went back and forth for about 10 minutes of whether I should wear a tie and no jacket or a jacket and no tie. And I decided I wasn't wearing a tie. So hopefully y'all don't fire me because uh, uh, this is the only job I have now. Y'all know this is the first time in my life since I got out, well, since I quit playing college baseball, even in college, after I quit playing baseball, this is the first time in my life I've only had one job. And uh, I'm really not sure how to handle that still. It's, it's interesting. Um, so maybe I should have wore a tie, I don't know. But uh, needless to say, um, figured that we'd break the ice a little bit with that, because uh, what we're going to look at today uh, is in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 46 through verse 49. And uh, Dr. Mills has asked me to start a series. Now that's difficult when you're only preaching the first sermon of a series. Um, especially when all the information that he really gives you about the rest of the series is the title of the series and about three or four sentences explaining what the series is going to be about. And then he says, go get them. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go get them. And uh, so we're going to do that. This is going to be very different than your typical 4th of July Independence Day weekend sermon. Uh, but I do want to say this. The church is the only hope that we currently have. Uh, we look around us and the world around us is falling deeper and deeper into sin. Uh, the world around us is getting darker and darker each and every day. It's not going to get any better uh, until it gets worse. And we know that based on what God's word shares with us. So the only hope, the only truth that we have is the message that we preach here from the pulpit, from our Sunday school classes, and hopefully each and every day as you come in contact with those around you. But I want to make it very clear this morning that the church just by itself is not the only hope that the world has. Because the church, as in the building, as in the organizational structure, does nothing without the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Statistics tell us that over the last 15 years in the Southern Baptist Convention, the number of churches is up. However, the number of membership is down. The number in attendance is down. The number in baptism is down. And while the number of churches are up, just a year and a half ago, Nam reported that 80% of church plants were failing. It's a great place to start this morning, isn't it? If we do not want to be a statistic, then we must make sure that for us to reach the next level as a body of believers... That our foundation is not upon anything that is faulty, but is upon only the hope that comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so this morning in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through verse 49, we're going to see why it is important that our foundation be rooted in Jesus Christ. Now we're also going to look at two other passages of Scripture this morning, and we're going to see through these passages of Scripture, I think, three things that we can all agree on this morning. Before we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through verse 49, we have to have the agreement and the understanding that the church is made up of individual believers. You got it? Can we all agree to that this morning? The church is made up of individual believers. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. We all know and would understand that the church is made up of individual believers. We read what 1 Peter says. But we also must understand that that means that a church is not a building, a church is not an organizational structure, a a church is not just a social group, but rather the church is a body of individual believers. We sit here in this today that we call a sanctuary. But guys, I have to tell you, this isn't a sanctuary. You and I are the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit resides. Not a building, Not a place, but us as individuals. A church, then, is only as strong as the people that make it up. So if we understand that the church is made of individual believers, it will help us to understand how the foundation must be placed in Jesus Christ when we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through verse 49. So if you'll stand with me as we honor God's word this morning, we're going to look at these verses beginning in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me, this is Jesus speaking, of course, and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you this morning that as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, that we understand that at the end of the day, Lord, that the only hope that we have is based upon our foundation being in you. Lord, in a world in which we live, in which it's so easy to become distracted, it's so easy to place our hope and our trust and our security and our foundation upon so many other things, Lord, help us to recognize this morning, Lord, that none of that will last, that only you last. Only you are the truth, only you are the way. And so help us, Lord, to take all those other things that may be distractions, And let go of them. And help us, Lord, this morning to make sure that in our lives as individuals, that you are truly the primary focus, that you are the priority, that you have preeminence in our life, that you truly are Lord of our life, and that we are practicing that each and every day, Lord. Lord, not only so that we can be who you've called us to be as an individual, but Lord, so that we can be who you've called us to be as a church and as a body of believers. Lord, we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So what is a foundation, you may ask? Well, I am not a construction whiz by any stretch of the imagination. So at First Baptist Casita, when I was uh, pastoring there, I'm going to move this to the side. When I was pastoring there, I had my deacons in a deacons meeting say, Tommy, we have a problem. 
They said, come with us to the gym. So we walked downstairs to the gym, and I looked in the corner of the gym. We had a half-court gym there that doubled as a fellowship hall. And I looked into the corner of the gym, and they said, do you see that crack? I said, yes, I see that crack. I don't know what that means. It's a crack in the floor. They said, come back over here. So we backed up to the other side of the gym, and we all got down on our hands and knees, and we looked across the floor. And guess what we realized? Not only was there a crack over there, but that whole corner of the floor was doing like this. Apparently, there had become a gap underneath that slab that had been poured that that gym had been placed upon. They said, we have talked to folks and they have told us that this could be a bigger problem than it is currently now unless we do something about it. And I said, well, what are we going to do about it? Because I have no idea what to do about it. And they said, well, they have this thing that they bring in. They dig this hole down underneath and they stick this pipe down in there. And some of you probably already know what I'm talking about. And they pump concrete under there. And it'll fill those gaps and it'll fill those. Oh, I never heard of it. Uh, we, we, I don't know if that was a quick fix or if that was a good fix. All I know is they said, if we don't fix it, we're going to have long-term problems. We had already seen over there in the corner because the thing had begun to sink that there was some, some liquid and some, or some moisture, I should say, that had begun to come up there through that crack. And they said, we're going to have problems. That was my first and really only uh, introduction to foundations. I know that they're important because I know the fact of the matter is is that when I walk in my house, I want my house to be secure and I want my floor not to fall in, right? Would we all agree with that? It is the base of everything else that we build, though, isn't it? That's what a foundation really is. It is the base in which we build everything else on. You can't play baseball if you can't catch and throw, right? It's kind of the way it works. You can't race. I don't know. Do y'all call it race? You can't swim as a racer. Is that the word, Alex? Help me out. What do you call it? I don't know. You can't swim in a competition. How about that? If you can't swim to begin with, can you? You can't. At the end of the day, everything we do has some sort of foundation that we must base everything else upon. Whether it's our families, whether it's our lives as individuals, whether it's a church, whether it's some other organization, whether it's a school, whether it's a business, there's always a foundation that everything is based upon. And if that foundation is faulty, it leads to bigger problems and it leads to cracks. In this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through verse 49, we find that Jesus must be the foundation of an effective believer. That Jesus must be the foundation of an effective believer. In verse 46 it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not say what I do? There he's talking about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that being practiced in our lives every day. And then he says in verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. And then look what it says. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When a flood occurred and the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. You see in verse 48, you see that word foundation. And you see there that word rock. Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is our rock. We know that because in verse 46 and verse 47, Jesus says, you call me Lord? He says, someone that calls me Lord and actually lives that out in their life every day, he says, that is the one who has based the foundation of their life upon the rock. Now, we know the positives and the benefits that come from that. It's right there in that scripture. 
It tells us that, listen, if you have based your your life upon who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you, and you have trusted Him as the solid rock that we sing about, as the cornerstone that we sing about, that Isaiah prophesied about, then listen, what we come to know and realize is that when the storms come, when the torrential downfall comes, when the rain comes, when the floods come, we survive, we last. Why? Because we have been built upon a solid, Solid, firm foundation. Now we like to sing about that and we like to talk about that. But the practical aspect of it is this. For that to really be true in our lives, we must be practicing out each and every day the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where it gets tough. That's what that verse says. Look, at that scripture says this. You call me Lord, Lord. Somebody calls me Lord, Lord, does what they say that they're doing. Then listen, it says, I'll show you what that person's like. That person is like someone that's built their house upon a rock. But someone that doesn't, that person is like someone that hasn't built their house upon a rock. When the storms come, when the floods come, when the torrential downpour comes, guess what's going to happen? They'll find their house in ruin, won't they? I'll never forget, we went to... Uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, it's four or five years after the flood came through, Katrina came through. And it was amazing as we went through those neighborhoods down there, four and five years after the fact, that there in the Ninth Ward you found that there were still houses that used to be houses that were piled up in just heaps of mess at the end of roads. The floods came and it washed those houses away. Jesus says that when we base our foundation upon anything other than him, that's what our lives look like. They're in ruin. Now, here's the deal. We know that. We know that the evidence of faith is, is a firm, or faith on a firm foundation is lordship. So my question then is this. What does that look like? How can I look at my life and say, what is my life based upon? How can I look at my life and say, Is Jesus really Lord over every area and aspect of my life? Lordship, what's that mean? Is he really in charge? Is he really boss? Is he really the priority? Is he really the one whom you continually go to for each and everything in your life? Well, how do you figure that out? A couple practical ways you can figure that out. I'll tell you what you can check first. We can check our time. Where do we spend our time? Do we have time in which we, we, we have quiet time with him? Do we have time in which we pray? Do we have time in which we have some kind of devotional time? Do we have time that we spend uh, not only in his house as a body of believers, but do we have time that we spend uh, out sharing our faith? Or is it a burden to do the things that God's called us to do? Is it difficult to find and make time for Jesus? Another place we can check is not just our time, but our checkbook, our check register. Do y'all ever use those anymore? It's so funny. I'm glad some of you said yes. We're not the only people that still use the checkbook register. Like, I'm not talking about like the online version. I'm talking about like the write it down in there. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm like, Mallory, why do we need to do that? We can just get our phones and check it. She's like, no, that might not be right. Something may not have cleared yet. And I'm like, okay, okay, I got you. And so we still keep that little checkbook register, and I turn my receipts into her every day. I turn my church receipts into Janet. I turn my house receipts into Mallory, right? That's how it works. 
my wallet's like this thick. It's not because I got a bunch of money. It's because there's that many receipts that are in there that I got to turn over to Mallory. But you know, you start checking where you spend your money, you start seeing what's priority in your life, don't you? Are you tithing to the Lord? I'll just let that one sit a minute. Where do you spend your money? You usually spend your money, not you usually, you always spend your money on things that are important to you, don't you? Check our time. It got quiet in here because I said money. That's the way it works. Check our time. Check our checkbook. What about check what we talk about? Do we spend more time? And look, I love sports. You know that. It's been everything I've done up until this point. But do we spend our time talking more about that than we do about Jesus? Do we spend our time talking about the Bulldogs more than we talk about Jesus? Do we spend our time, and our family's important, absolutely, and you ought to talk about your family. Do you talk about your family more than you talk about Jesus? Do you talk about your work more than you talk about Jesus? Talk about your hobbies more than we talk about Jesus? You know, I, I, this is Tommyology. I tell the teenagers and the college kids all the time, that and some money won't get you anything. But Tommyology says, y'all get that right instead of theology? Good. What is wrong with y'all today? Come on. They laugh when I say it, and I've said it 300 times to them. They think they have to, don't they? I believe that people have a hard time sharing their faith with others because they just don't spend enough time talking about Jesus anyways. I mean, sharing our faith shouldn't be a burden. It should be something that just flows out of who we are naturally. It got quiet again, didn't it? <laughs> check your time, check your checkbook, check what you talk about. Check what you're willing to fight for. And check what you're willing to die for. I don't want to steal too much thunder from my next point, but we got churches all over this country that are dying because they've got people sitting in pews who are willing to fight and willing to die for stuff that's a bunch of garbage. I told y'all I got in trouble for calling the Lord's Supper table a, what'd I call it? A stinking table one time, right? Because we were fighting over it in a business meeting. And where it should sit. Should it sit over here, here, or there, literally? When will we be willing to truly fight and die for the cause of Christ? We will die, many will die for our country, Right? And the freedom that we have. Check your time. Check your checkbook. Check what you talk about. And check what you're willing to fight for. You know what some examples of bad foundations are? I said sports. Some people's lives are based upon their social life. They're based upon what they can do each weekend. 
We've got a lot of college kids running around this town that that's what they base their life upon. Sometimes people base their life upon their family. That's not a bad thing. There's a lot of good things I'm going to mention here. But being good just isn't enough, is it? Sometimes people base their life upon technology. There's a, a, a guy took a bunch of pictures. They're going around social media of, of uh, pictures of people without their phones in their hands. Like sitting across from each other, like here's John and here's me and we're supposed to be talking and like they're like this looking at each other. And it's so funny because you can see where the phone would normally go, right? Some people base their life on health and fitness. That's a good thing. We want you to live a long time. We don't want to have to do a lot of funerals and all that kind of stuff prematurely. But if you base who you are upon that, some people base their life upon politics, some upon their hobbies, some upon, even as we celebrate Independence Day, which is a good thing, upon patriotism. Some even base their foundation of who they are upon being a member of a church or what they do in a church. Which brings me to my next point. The church is made up of individual believers. Jesus is to be the foundation of an effective believer. And if we understand those two things, we can't help but to reach this next one, which is this, that Jesus is to be the foundation of an effective church. That Jesus is to be the foundation of an effective church. Verse 48 uses the word rock. That word rock here in the uh, Greek is the word Petron. Now, if you were to go read Matthew chapter 16, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through verse 18, uh, we see a reference to this type of rock again. This type of rock used would be a solid stone, a bedrock, a large stone, a big stone. You got that? You see that? Big, large, you can't pick it up by yourself. That kind of stone. Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 15, uh, Jesus says, But uh, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter. The word Peter there is the word Petros, P-E-T-R-O-O-S. Yeah, that P-E-T-R-O-S, right? That's a handheld size rock. See the difference? Big rock, handheld size rock. And then Jesus, because Jesus is awesome and Jesus is really smart and Jesus has a really crazy sense of humor sometimes in Scripture. And Jesus, he just, sometimes you start reading what he does in the New Testament and you go, wow, only Jesus could have done that. He uses this great play on words and look what Jesus says here. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, and then he goes and uses the word petros, P-E-T-R-A-S. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Do you know what petros is? It's the form of that same word petron that we see when we look over in Luke. It's that big rock. It's the bedrock. It's the foundation rock. It's the cornerstone. And then as we opened up the service this morning, I didn't, I didn't tell Tim that I was going to use this passage of scripture. Uh, I told him I was going to use Luke and Matthew. And, and then all of a sudden Tim quoted it for me. So I don't have to quote it again because then you go to Isaiah and what did we see prophesied about of who Jesus was going to be? 
the cornerstone, right? See, here's the way this works, guys. When Jesus was talking to Peter, he wasn't telling Peter, you're the first pope. Some folks think that, and they got that all messed up. Instead, what he was doing, he was doing a really clever play on words there, and he was saying, that's right, you're Peter. You're the Petros. He said, but listen, upon, and I can imagine him pointing at himself as he said this, upon this rock, upon the Petros, upon the big, solid cornerstone, the firm foundation, my church will be built. And Peter, being a good Jew, would have known and understand what? Hey, that's what Isaiah said. He's talking about himself. It is upon Jesus that we are to be built as a church and upon nothing else. And do you know why churches miss out on that so much? Do you know why churches across this land are struggling and are in decline and their baptism waters aren't filling up? Listen, it's because there are people sitting in the pews. There are people sitting in the offices. There are people standing behind pulpits who have not made Jesus complete and total Lord of their life. And you can't expect Jesus to be the cornerstone of a body of believers if he's not the cornerstone of the individual believer. So why is it then that we so quickly and so easily Build our lives and our churches on faulty foundations. When we know all the peace, the strength, the blessings that God has in store, if we'll just trust Him. We build our Individual lives on sports, social life, family, technology, health, fitness, church, politics, hobbies, patriotism, you name it. So many times we build our churches on pride, preferences, comfortability, tradition, cultural norms. Instead of upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, we want revival to sweep across this land. We want revival to sweep across Athens, Georgia, upon Clark County, upon Coney County, all the surrounding areas. Listen to me and listen to me very clearly this morning. We can talk all we want about what we want to do here as a church. We can have the greatest programs. We can be the most financially stable place you've ever come in contact with. We can have the most beautiful facilities. We can have the most comfortable pews and comfortable chairs. We got some comfortable chairs, by the way. I got to tell you. We can have all of that. We can have the nicest children's area. We can have the nicest student areas. We can have the most booming college deal in town. But at the end of the day, if we do not actively practice lordship in our lives as individuals, and we do not keep Jesus at the forefront of everything that we do. All of it's for naught. All of it's for naught. Now look. I could sit here and list all the different things that churches mess up. I could. Right? But I'm already not wearing a tie. So I don't want to give you another reason to fire me. So I'll just, uh, is that good? Was that good? Okay. 
I'll just throw this out there. Listen. If you or I, and don't think just the congregation's guilty of this kind of stuff, because I'm human too. If we place our preferences, if we place how comfortable we are, if we place what we think we want church to be like above sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world around us, then we need to check ourselves. Because Beach Haven Baptist Church will only be what God has called us to be when each and every one of us, united together, is begin to practice lordship within our own hearts and our own lives. And see, what happens there is then this. Then you come together as a body of believers. You may have differences. You may have different preferences. You may have different opinions. But at the end of the day, guess what? You realize that we're all in this together, right? I didn't want to say that because I thought of that. Teenagers know what I thought about. It's a Disney musical. We're all in this together. Sometimes you got to have some humor when things are this tough to deal with. What happens is, is you all come together and you realize it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the fact that there are people right here today who if something were to happen to them, they'd split hell wide open. It's about the fact that there are people outside these doors today that if something were to happen to them, they'd split hell wide open. And guys, it takes all of us together putting aside those foundations that are faulty and basing our trust and our faith and our hope in the person of Jesus Christ and in him alone for us to reach the lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to close this way. Number one, if you're in this place today and you're a believer of Jesus Christ, listen. The Bible tells us, as we read in 1 Peter, that the individual believer comes together with other individual believers and we make up the body of Christ. We make up the church. And that puts a great responsibility upon us to live out our life in a manner in which Jesus is truly Lord of our life. And if you're a believer in this place today, I want to encourage you with every ounce of energy that I have to make sure before you leave this place today that if there's an area of your life that Jesus is not Lord, if there is something in your life that has been placed as a priority over who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you, then use this altar today to make that right with him. Guys, the invitation isn't a time just to sing a song and say, hey, we're going to go eat lunch. I think we make it that too much. We get too comfortable where we're standing, and we make it that too much. An invitation is an awesome time to humble ourselves before an almighty God and to do business with him about areas in our life that we need to do business with him with. So if you're a believer, that's the call to you today. And listen, if you're not a believer, then listen, you want to know how to make Jesus the foundation of your life? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. God is perfect, we are not. 
that which is imperfect cannot inherit that which is perfect. Because of our sin, it separates us from God. The Bible tells us we've all sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But there is a great awesome promise that also tells us that while the wages of sin is death, the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then the Bible even goes further and says, listen, let me tell you how to accept this gift. See, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived a perfect sinless life in the midst of all the darkness and sin all around him. And he died on a cross and then three days later he was, bar- or he was buried and then three days later he was raised from the grave. And listen, when he was resurrected from the grave and he came back to live again, listen, the, the cool thing about that is this, is that that means that he defeated every sin in your life and in my life. If you'll accept him. Say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible tells us that too. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart and if we confess with our mouth, the Bible says we will be saved. Why? Because with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if you're in this place today and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, listen, your life is based on a faulty foundation. And when the storms come, they will wash you away. away. And at some point, you will face death. And when you face death, if you do not have your life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, you will die here and that won't be the end of it. We will all live forever. The difference is whether we will live in a place called heaven or whether we will live in a place called hell. And if you're here today and your foundation is not upon Jesus Christ and you have never come to the point in your life where you have believed in him and you have cried out to him and called out to him to forgive you of your sins and to save you and you've given your life to him and given him complete and total lordship of your life, then listen, without that, we are all doomed for a place called hell. But I am here to tell you today that the hope that we have, the hope that is found in none other than Jesus Christ can be yours. In just a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to begin to sing. And if you're in this place today, and you've never prayed, accepted Christ as your Savior, you don't wait. You step right out of that aisle, or out of that pew. You step right into that aisle, and you come right down here, and you meet me, or you meet John, or you meet one of our staff members, and you just cry out to us and say, listen, I need to know Christ as Savior. And listen, we'll pray with you right here this morning, and you can accept Christ, and you can give your heart, and you can give your life to Him. And we'll walk you through that. And today, you can place your life on a solid foundation you know why that's so important because listen if your foundation is based upon any or all of those things that we mentioned earlier sports your social life your family your friends any of that kind of stuff your finances whatever it may be listen all of that stuff one day will fail you all of that stuff one day will come to an end and if you say well I'm going to live to the point in which it doesn't because I'm going to be able to do that until I die well guess what when you die it's going to end so will you come today Will you make Jesus your foundation? Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. After I pray, Tim's going to lead us as we sing this morning. As we sing, it's an opportunity for you to do business with Christ. And you come as he calls you today. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be here in in this place where we can come together as the body of believers. Lord, and we can worship you and we can sing praises to you. And we can open your word and we can, Lord, from your word, find instruction of how that we as a church, if we're going to be what we need to be, we have to make sure that you are the foundation of our life. So, Lord, for every believer that's in this place, let these next few moments be about, Lord, 
simply doing business with you. And Lord, being about simply coming to the altar, uh, the foot of the cross. If there's an area in their life that you're not complete and total, Lord, over. Let them give that to you today. Lord, if there's an area in their life that's prevented them from getting on board with the things that we're trying to do here at Beach Haven, let them, Lord, come to the foot of the cross today with that and ask you, Lord, to humble them and ask you, Lord, to remind them that the important thing is not our comfortability, it's not our preference, it's not our opinions, but, Lord, it is truly you and only you and what you can do through us. Lord, if there's somebody in this place today, just one person, Lord, that's never prayed and accepted you as Savior, never made you the foundation of their life, help them to realize today that, Lord, without you, we are nothing. Without you, we will be tossed to and fro by the storms in our life that come across. Without you, Lord, we face an eternity in hell. So, Lord, help them come today. Help them come today and say that, Lord, they want to give their life to you. Help them come today, Lord, and ask you to forgive them of their sins and to be their Savior and to be their Lord. So that, Lord, they can place their life, not just now, but for all of eternity, on solid, firm foundation. Thank you for being our cornerstone. Help us to live like you are. In your name we pray. Amen.